0: Episode number eighty-four of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on September the thirteenth, twenty twenty. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. Hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed the over reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared for at least seventy-two hours, if not longer.
1: My name is Ian. And I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman.
0: I'm Alan.
2: I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And if you want to help keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, do us a favor, buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled, and they are snappy t-shirts. They
1: are... If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, you want your feedback, good or bad, or there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at preppermodcast.ca.
0: Right, so we've got some uh, thermogenic content for you in this episode. The dad jokes continue. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Then we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic of off-grid heating. Let's move into the news. Um-
2: General commentary on the state of the world: Two Los Angeles County sheriff deputies were shot while sitting in their car. A surveillance video shows one person walking up to the passenger side, shooting them both, and then running off. Um, if that weren't bad enough, protesters outside the hospital where those two where those two deputies were taken uh, were chanting that they hope the deputies die.
0: And they were Keep blocking the, the entrance table. to emergency too, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, they were blocking the entrance so that other people couldn't get to the hospital. Um, do better.
1: Well, and then, just let's not better. sugarcoat it. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. They, they told everybody exactly who they were. They were BLM protesters. And, yep. yep. You know, I think if they had any credibility up to this point, I think that's kind of gone now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, yeah.
2: I, I can understand to a point when you are in the heat of the moment and you let the tiger out of the cage. I, I, I can understand how that happens. These two people were sitting in their car, doing literally nothing. I mean, they're patrol yeah, cops, so they're doing what the job? they do on a regular day anyways, doing literally nothing. Both of them got shot by a guy and just walked up and then ran away. Like they they, they that wasn't that wasn't, you know, excessive force, that wasn't incidental to other actions, that was premeditated. Um, that was there's there's no there's, there's just no way to make that. There's no way to justify that as being yeah. as furthering anybody's cause. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, what's, what's even worse is judging by the video footage, they're saying that uh, based on the, the body size and makeup of the of the person that did it, it looks like it could be a child. Uh, yeah. In which case, what are you programming your kids to do nowadays? You know what I mean? Based on what you see in the media, it's I thought
2: uh, I thought the same thing. And honestly, to me, it looked like I, I was. If I had to guess, I would say that was a uh, um, that was a gang indoctrination. Yeah, and he was just he, he was buying he was buying into a gang because he was you know he's young, um, he ran you know he wasn't much taller than the than the cruiser shaped like a kid.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate, and then the, to go in, and block the the entrance to the emergency, the emergency room for, for not only to have those two first responders not be able to be admitted, but the rest of the general public as well. It's just and the, that's the big one. Like the rest of the general public. They,
2: this is yeah. Los Angeles, Canada. There's, they're not the only people that are being hurt right now. That are not sick. No. Like, ev- everybody else needs access to that building, yep. and that's. Uh, uh, there's, there's no, there's no way to make that. There's no way to make that better at all.
1: No. Yeah. yeah. Well, for some good news, um, for the first time since the 1990s, we had a march on Ottawa by gun owners. And, uh, so the CCFR integrity March happened yesterday, March 12th or sorry, September 12th. Whoops. And it was a a huge success. Like, uh, depends on who you ask. The CBC said 500 people. And of course the people that were there said about 5,000 and they had some aerial footage to back it up with drone shots. So, um, awesome. Like I'm so proud of those guys, uh, for basically what amounts to four people in an office, they organized this thing on, on basically short notice, had a bunch of people show up from across the country. I wish I could have been there, but I wasn't. And, um, Yeah, so just a couple key points. Uh, Unlike some other protesters, no property damage occurred. Um, You know, nobody was hurt on either side of any person to protest. Nobody was arrested, and nobody was shot. And just goes to show you, law-abiding gun owners obey the law. Weird. (laughs) It's It's so weird.
2: Almost as if
1: the people who go
2: through the licensing process are not the problem.
1: (laughs) It's almost like that, right? Almost. so like uh, that was so awesome i was like it was so happy to see the way it worked out and uh the show the turnout was great i mean it could always be better but the turnout was yeah. uh, was still great they considered like, considering, like the, the doctors for coalition for gun control or doctors against gun control whatever it was uh down in toronto had like eight people show up for the protest so yeah. and what a difference
0: yeah that was good good to see the turnout and, and it's yeah. for all the right reasons as well so I, too, I know for I sure it
1: in there it just yeah timing didn't work so yeah, uh, I know for sure that one of our panelists, who's a regular contributor, was definitely there.
0: Yes,
2: yes, I so. imagine he's uh, he's nursing a hangover today. If I had to guess, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I'm, I'm pretty pretty sure I saw him on some of the video. Yeah, uh, I, I, think I so, absolutely yeah. did. I yeah. saw I saw some saw some of his pictures shared by a few other a few yeah. other people who were also there or not there, and um, it looked like a fantastic turnout and great great job, great job, Rod and Tracy and Colin and.
0: Gavin and everybody that was involved in that. Yeah, yeah for sure. That yeah, was good good to see. And I, I was also glad to see that it went off without a hitch. And it did, I think it accomplished exactly what they were looking to accomplish. And yep. yeah, it was, it was good to see. Right on. Uh, so for myself, I've got a news article here because 2020 just can't get any weirder. Uh, California wildfire whips up a fire tornado. Does I saw that? remember back in January when Australia
2: was on fire? And that's how this whole thing started? Yep. Yeah. So, no. um, Kind of the, if you want to call it good news, um, the fire tornado is not a, not exceptionally rare. This is actually a thing that happens yeah. on a pretty regular basis. And when you get that much soot and smoke over the um, over an area, it actually affects the weather patterns. And so it, this is actually not that big a deal, which is the good news. The bad news is that like most of the West Coast is on fire.
1: When you see that, it is just amazing to watch. So like oh, yeah. the footage from that video uh right now like even here in vancouver uh where i am right now and also on the island it, the smoke is so thick it's like down to less than a mile of visibility and you can smell it i mean it's crazy but if we want to don our tinfoil hat for one tiny second if you look Why at a, a map of all the forest forest fires going on right now it's amazing how global warming is conscious of national borders and they all pretty much stop at the u.s border with canada hmm. which i found interesting it's you almost see, like that's
0: interesting I'm. Yeah. I gotta go get my tin file. I'll be
2: back.
1: Yeah, it's. It's I almost mean, like
2: it they couldn't have anything to do with different management systems or anything, right? Like different forest, it, management it, different programs. different
1: forest management systems. Like California is notorious for like not allowing underbrush to be cleared and, and leaving a bunch of fuel on the ground for years on end. Uh, that was a, also a major problem. But there's also been a bunch of people arrested that may or may not belong to a certain protest group. That have been intentionally lighting fires, <laughs> so well. And of that's, course-
2: that's, that also happened. And then they, but they also had cluster, a cluster, the the cluster fire um, scene where, um, a, like a literally a lightning storm. You could you can watch video of it lighting about a thousand acres of of fires because there was a lightning
1: storm. So I and my personal favorite one was the gender reveal party.
2: <laughs> oh, Arizona, that was in Arizona, I believe. Yeah. Where they, <laughs> they lit off a little of a, a blue firework or a pink firework and started a 5,000. Mm-hmm. Now the good news is that those people are going to get a bill for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they're never going to be able to pay it because it's upwards of $20 million by the time that, by the time that fire is out. But like, they're going to get a bill for that. Um, Guys, I, like, I did laugh. Again, at it. Do better.
1: Well, everybody's trying to politicize it to their own ends. And of course, like you get the California governor getting in there saying this is all about global warming. I'm like, actually, it was kind of your forest management practices, but let's not go there. Um, But (laughs) it was still smoldering. He's like, yeah, global warming. The science is settled. That's it. And I was like, no, 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 Just just bad management.
2: I think the, the, the thing that I love most about the term the science is settled is that that's not how science works.
1: Science is never
2: settled. That's scientific.
0: It has to be like. <laughs> anyways, I'll, oh I'll God. God. That's, that's a tangent for another podcast. My, yeah, my exactly. question about all this is: Can we just return 2020 to I don't know Costco? They got a pretty good return policy, and just oh, start yeah. with 2019 again? Yeah, I'm really good with downgrading. I'll, I'll yeah. gladly go back to last year's model. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's move into what we've done lately for preps. So for myself, I'd spent a couple of days out in the woods again. Back out at the fish camp, uh, learned that I need a new tent. Waterproofing apparently no longer exists on this tent. However, Sorry, it Eric. does not owe me anything.
2: You yep. should uh, you should go back and listen to our episode from uh, beginning of August on shelters. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs>
0: absolutely I should yeah I, I knew this was coming with the tent it, it owes me nothing it's like 13 years old so
1: although you can yeah. go to Canadian Tire and get that uh, five gallon bucket or sorry one gallon bucket of uh waterproofing thing you just painted on your tent and it's good for another another le- season at least
0: tried that for the last couple seasons ah. it finally didn't take this time so uh-huh. it, it owes me absolutely nothing so oh well time to go gear shopping boo-hoo darn Ter- terrible Ugh. Uh, as well, um, started to uh, increase my water intake, so i got my nice little techie gadget here now, a little water bottle that keeps track of all my water intake and sets a goal for me for the day, so something I'm uh, always terrible at doing. So, yes, nerd, I'll put my pocket protector on and all that good stuff, but uh, starting to do that, and I'm coinciding that with getting my uh, physical fitness and workout r- uh, routine back into play because, uh, well, COVID, and I just let it kind of fall off the rails, so getting back into that.
1: No, I think so you're so following got, your... It's your partisan challenge. You're supposed to do two liters of water a day, right?
0: I'm there. Yeah. Nope. It's going to be a fun night.
1: <laughs> um, actually, also, yeah, the fitness is, is key too. Like, It's actually kind of funny because normally I do my, my morning walk. I get about you know 4 or 5K in at least or something. And um, Interestingly, today the dogs didn't want to do it because of the smoke in the air. They actually were getting more affected what? by the smoke than, than I was. And so hmm. one of my dogs actually turned around and said, bugger, I bugger you and went back to the house on her own. And I uh, only took two of them with me today.
0: I don't know if I'm more concerned about the smoke or the fact your dog talks.
1: Well, in dog speak, <laughs> I kind of got that, That you have to learn how to, you have to be like a dog whisperer and, yeah, and fair read, the, yeah. read the signs. Yeah. So, uh, for myself, uh, see here. So obviously it's, it's coming up on fall time. So we're starting to worry about uh, wintertime winter time stuff. I, uh, the wife actually volunteered to go down to the crawl space and take a look around, uh, for like air leaks and stuff like that. I tip my hat to her for that one. Uh, as she discovered a couple of air leaks, we need to patch up and fill. So we've been working on uh, kind of crawl space stuff more than anything else. So a lot of house maintenance going on right now, obviously uh, rotation of the stock for, uh, for various stuff, uh, cooking oils and everything else. Um, The kid's car. We had a third car join the the fleet there because um, my one child is of age to drive, so uh, I want to make sure i got a first aid kit uh, set up for that one. So I've been slowly outfitting the car, and I kind of actually uh, gathered up all my first aid supplies, and I'm trying to put together a little kit for the car. Uh, I got noticed that the Vortex scope I sent in is actually getting replaced for free. So once again, Vortex to the rescue. So that was the one I took to the Maple Seed a couple weeks ago, and it kind of shit the bed on me in uh, the middle of the, the at the beginning of the shoot anyway. And uh, so like, yeah, our bad. So you get a brand new one. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love those lifetime warranties. They're great. So let's see here. I actually got a great tip from one of our listeners, Cam, uh, who got me in touch with a guy who had some local, really tasty looking hay for the alpacas. And I got 30 bales of it for super cheap. So I got that stuffed away in the shed for the winter. Cause they've kind of eaten through the property now. And they're just maintaining the, uh, the clear space. And, time gets a little lean, so I want to make sure I have something for them in case of the second wave. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I have 30 bales of that for them, so that's good. Um, also with Listener Cam as well, he's actually the guy raising our hogs, so uh, we coordinated the slaughter day with him. And he's also raising one of our sheep that we're getting, or one of our lambs. So I've uh, arranged for two lambs now. And uh, we also bought a schwack of garlic off of them. So uh, nice. and we can use some of that for seed for ourselves next year, hopefully. And But it's delicious garlic. He does a really good job. Uh, did a couple of CGN deals, and I think that was pretty much it. Uh, obviously, I've been working and you know doing everything else, uh, regular stuff, but uh, uh, that's pretty much it.
0: Only so half a tr- page today. Short only last half page. This week. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm
2: uh i've been in lots of pt uh, myself um completely independent of eric's idea but there we are um drinking significantly more than 2 liters of water a day uh i've got some renovations happening in the house we had um i think i sent mentioned it a few weeks ago we had the the roof blow off in a storm so i've got my new roof on and now my um the back room where i my my office slash podcast studio is, is now um, down to the studs and doing a few new things there. Um, plans are moving forward for my for my dream shop that's going to end up with my office and Radio Shack and all kinds of other things. I'm doing a technical rescue class coming up this weekend, which is going to be a good time. So lots of rope and uh, rigging. And... Fixed a water issue, um, so I had some some drainage problems. My, my property is all clay, so of course there's nowhere for the water to go. The uh, result was me digging a cubic yard of clay out, filling it with drainage stone, and then packing it all back in, and now use, use that as an opportunity to fix some of the grating around the house. So hopefully that will now drain water away from the house and not into my basement. So a better spot for it to be i i hope so i think so and then i'm just hoping that it doesn't drain into my neighbor's yard now because he's a really nice guy
1: hey uh al just a quick first aid question for you yeah uh, are you are you still teaching at all
2: yes i mean okay. as much as as much as possible yeah
1: with the uh the covid st- stuff with the social distancing mm-hmm. and all that stuff are people still able to recertify with cpr at all
2: Yes um, I don't know how other companies are doing it but um, the company that I teach with which is a Red Cross um, authorized training partner uh, we're limiting our people to or we're limiting our class limiting our class sizes to eight people um, We're strongly pushing the the blended learning so you'll do all the theory portion online and then you'll just come into the class for you know four or six hours and do the um, do the hand do the hands-on um, it's a it's a, it's a modified programs that there's a little bit less um, interaction. The classes are a lot smaller and, but it's still, it's still happening. Um, You still get your, you still get your CPR dummy, you still get to listen to me go on about staying alive and play the, uh, play the office video, like that segment from that one scene of the office and um, all those things. So it is still happening, um, at least in this part of the country. I don't know about I don't know about other training partners how they're doing things, um, but it is it is a thing still. Yes.
1: Okay, just good. I just got a text there. Somebody was asking me. I was like, "Oh, that's a good point." Never thought to, about the, the you know the renewal yeah. side of things. So
2: yeah. So the um, WSIB in Ontario, who's the the regulatory body for first aid, extended everybody's certificates by six months. So if you were um, if you were going to be expiring from April through to September, your expiry date was automatically added six months to it, um, so that you're not, um, your training is not invalid, um, and you can still recertify rather than having to go through the whole course again. Um, now, Red Cross is kind of doing the same thing where they're, they've extended the dates. I don't know about uh, I don't know about other providers, and I don't know about other provinces. I can't speak to that.
1: Cool. Right, Good to know.
0: Shall we move into the main topic?
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, off-grid heating. So uh, number one thing I want to talk about, which will probably take up the bulk of the show, is the wood stove. Yep. Um, this is not to be confused with the fireplace. But um, everybody, if they're getting serious about off-grid heating, should really have a wood stove. Um, lots of reasons for that, of course. Uh, the fireplace itself, that you know, used to have the stone hearth and everything else, incredibly inefficient as far as the heat it actually provides for the house. But also the fact is when you're not using it, it has a bunch of cold air drafting down, even with that little damper in there. it still leaked past that. And I remember we had one in Alberta on my acreage and it was uh, very cold in winter. You could feel the cold air coming down. Right. But
0: same with our two. We've got two fireplaces in the house and you can there's a ever so slight draft. Yeah, but it's there.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, even yeah. if you try and start the fire, then you have to make sure you do the yeah. burnt, you know, the roll up newspaper and kind of get the airflow going yeah. and everything else. And it just seems to be a pain in the butt compared to the wood stove. Right. So oh, um, wood
0: stove way, way easier.
1: Well, uh, the fireplace is way cooler. Right? I'd say the wood stove is more efficient and a better use of your, yeah. your time and energy. Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, so if you're going to do off grid heating, um, I would highly recommend a wood stove if you're going to be serious about it. Uh, obviously the easiest to use the most renewable woods uh, fuel source Um as far as like, you know, probably on your property, if not easy to order, yep. <laughs> you know, you can order a truckload and they will show up on your, on, you know, on your driveway. They'll dump it off and you can put it wherever you want, right? Yep. Uh, as long as you have it under shelter, I mean, we'll would, would keep for years if you keep it dry and don't let it rot on you. Um, so, yeah, you keep it under a roof or under a tarp. I mean, you're going to have a, a fuel supply sitting there for years to go, right?
0: You absolutely are.
1: Um, well, you the need, still if, also- you're
0: gonna, if you're going to rely
2: on it, make sure you have a whole lot more than you think you need.
1: So- oh, Yeah, like, actually, it's kind of funny because, like, uh, I remember my buddy at a bush camp said, you know, it wasn't unusual to go through a cord a day trying to keep water boiling and people warm and everything else between all the, uh, you know, two or three tents. It didn't take much or it didn't take long to go through a cord of wood, right? But uh, as for myself, yeah, I mean, I'm on the West Coast, which is, you know, the warm hippie land. And we still go through about three cords a year easy. Um, And that's just running it for, like, heat slash well, when you say ambiance, just say for primary heat, but we also have like backup if we need to. But yeah, three cords easy. And uh, that's the minimum, right? I would say, like, I remember, go ahead.
2: When you're choosing your wood stove, I was just going to say, make sure that you p- pick one of the flat tops that you can cook on it if you need to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the flat top is great. not uh, only because you uh, put the cooking materials on there as a backup to your stove. Obviously, you can put the uh, the thermogenic heating and um, fan devices that actually work on heat versus electricity. Um, yeah, there's just multiple uses for having a flat top on there. Even like you know putting a drying rack on top of it too, right? Yep. That's uh, certainly one thing to think about. Uh, obviously, the wood stove will provide you with some light if you've got the glass front. Um, obviously, provides you with heat. And uh, Actually, one of the local guys here, the Island Mentor, actually mentioned to me, he says, okay, so stop going into the into the wood, sho- wood stove shop and saying, what size do I need for my house? Because they'll say, well, how many square feet do you have? And based on our experiences what the one you should get, it's always never enough. Uh, so get the largest one you can pretty much buy or afford because you can always, like, add wood, but you can't, like... Uh, to a larger one. But if you have a super small one, you can't add more wood to let sit overnight. Um, So basically when these wood stoves are getting set up and working in your house, the whole idea is that you run it at like max for about, you know, 45 minutes or two an hour to get everything heated up and make sure you don't get the creosote build up. And then you're supposed to put it right down to pretty much idle or just above idle. And that, uh, you know, that's where it's going to be most efficient. However, that limits your BTU output. So, I mean, uh, the nice thing when you're sitting there for uh, putting wood in for overnight If you can put a bunch of wood in there it's gonna last till the next morning if you got it on idle versus uh you know if you sit there and and put only two or three logs in because that's all you can get in by the time the overnight happens it's dead cold right and that's not good no and i mean location
2: location location location, just like everything else the lower down your um your wood stove is the better off um i remember the 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 hunt camp that i frequent we had it, it doesn't have a basement of course but we've got a wood stove there um, and if you are lucky enough to draw the long straw and get the loft um, it is toasty warm whereas if you are on the main floor and away from the stove it is uh, it is chilly no matter how hard it, no matter how hard it works um, so it's uh, heat rises so if you can um, I was in a house where the wood stove was actually in the basement and they had quite literally just holes cut in the floor with registers to allow to allow the heat to move, and then a couple of fans. Um, but the wood stove was in the basement, and it was comfortable on the main floor and the second floor. Mm-hmm. And then oh, they, just, they just loaded the they just loaded the wood right into the basement through a window. Like there was a window in the front that they could just move out, like a big, um, like a big uh, basement window, like a tall basement window. Um, and they just put a chute there, and then they like the wood truck backed up into the driveway, dumped the load, and then they could just they literally just fired the wood down the down the chute, stacked up beside the stove, and it was indoors, and it was. Uh, um, it was right next to the stove. They didn't have to go outside to get it. It was a really, really neat setup.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you let your wood get wet, that's not going to be good. But uh, if you're just letting it dry naturally, you want to give it at least a year or two, preferably, to, uh, to get super nice and dry. But um, interesting, that you mentioned about the, uh, the upper floors, too. I mean, during the summer, it sucks. But during the winter, it's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in line of sight of the fireplace, generally, too, it works well. But if you're actually shaded just from the actual like line of sight of the fireplace, you'll actually feel much colder, even if you're like only a foot away from the part that's in the, the fireplace. Line we've, of sight. Got a,
0: we've got a good question here in the live chat from Josh, just yep. in regards to how do you put a wood stove on idle?
1: Oh, right at the very bottom, there's a uh, there's a little lever. So basically, it, it controls the airflow more than anything else. And so uh, basically, when you're starting the fireplace, you put it all the way over to max. And you know, if you have a, a certain type, you might have to warm up the, the flue ahead of time, but generally you don't. And uh, you leave it on max, which allows the maximum airflow into the wood stove. And then after it's, everything's nicely heated up and you, get the, you actually have a thermos, thermometer on your stove pipe or on top of the fireplace sometimes, depending on what type of thermometer it is. And then once it gets up to temperature and it's going to make sure it doesn't have any like, residue uh, left behind at that temperature, you put it right down to just above idle. And it restricts the airflow, which means it doesn't go through the fuel as fast, but still provides a nice coal bed and that provides most of your heat because you don't actually get a whole lot of heat from flames versus about you know a bed of coals that are sitting there just uh, burning slowly. Good smell. If that makes if that makes sense. Uh, okay, so another thing to keep in mind is what you're burning. So uh, hardwoods versus uh, aspen and pine, uh, lighter woods like that, balsa, I suppose. <laughs> 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 you know, you're you're going to get obviously more BTU per cord with the hardwoods versus the uh, the lighter woods like pine and aspen. It all depends on what's available to you. Um, some areas like Southern Ontario, uh, or the West coast, we have hardwoods available. Um, however, other ones are just, you know, boreal forest, like Alberta, you're stuck with pine. And, uh, if you're lucky, like poplar, aspen, that type of thing. So, um, obviously the more beach you record, the better. Um, cedar does burn when, even when it's green or wet, because it's got enough oil in the wood to, to make it burn. However, it burns out really fast. It's almost like balsa wood itself. So and it leaves a higher residue behind, which is also a bad thing. You don't want that creosote left behind.
2: I was going to so, mention that the challenge with all, with all the pines is the pitch, no matter what. Yeah.
1: So, yeah it's, like,
2: kind of
1: yep. yeah, it's like pine salt, right? There's always like an oily pitch left behind. And, of course, that stuff is hard, hard to remove from the uh, uh, the pipe just by burning. So, it, of course, it leaves you in the springtime with a big mess to clean up, which is a problem, too. But uh, also depends on the temperature that you're burning at. Anyway, uh, so what else are going to talk about? So heat-powered fans. I think we touched on them briefly, but a lot of stuff works on uh, basically piezoelectric heat. And um, uh, so basically as the heat comes up, it measures the heat differential between two uh, types of metals and creates electrical current and no electricity required to run a lot of these fans. So you can put these little... Uh, the, the brand name is Caframo, and there's a couple other ones. Basically, you put them on top of your wood stove, and they'll, they'll start some fans blowing, which actually blows around your room. And uh, yeah, no electricity, so it is certainly off grid. It'll uh, create a bit of airflow for you, and uh, maximize the use of your uh, your wood.
0: Convenient, you don't need any power
1: for it. Yeah, it's actually self generating. It's kind of nice. Um, I think we mentioned this before, the hypothermia episode. But remember back in the day, I mentioned those Princess Auto wood stoves that the uh, yeah. ninety nine bucks or something like that. I can't find one on the internet to put the link in here right now, but uh, they've got. Last time I of looked,
2: them. it was seven, $78.99 Was the last time I saw one.
1: Oh, it's crazy. They're never,
2: they're never in stock at the at the, the at the local Princess Auto to me.
1: Yeah, I remember the and one at Barry it. only had like one at a time, and it was like usually scooped up pretty fast. Um, yeah, so I mean, they are they're good. I mean, um, yeah, it's uh, light and portable, has its place. I think somebody mentioned here. Yep. But, so there's, uh,
2: I mean, there, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to rely on it for heating your house overall, but in terms of having a backup heat source, it doesn't weigh a lot. You can take it with you. You can put it wherever you want. And it will give you, um, it will give you heat where you need it. Um, but, you know, it, it's an $80, it's an $80 metal box as opposed to a multiple hundred to multiple thousand dollar metal box. So the, it's not as heavy, it's, you're, you're not going to get the same use out of it as you do have a, a, a permanent built stove. Something that's designed to last for generations, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a good backup
1: well, actually, I should mention that. Yeah, so the wood stove that we have, uh, it's uh, Pacific Energy. It's it's made locally here on the island, or over there on the island. Anyway, and uh, it's only good for about 15 years or so before you have to start thinking about re- you know, replacing it. Like, every year when I, when I clean it out, I have to replace some of the uh, the stones that are around the perimeter and everything else that they're kind of like uh, man-made bricks. But, um, yeah, they, they tend to burn out after a while because if you're using it for a primary source heat, obviously, it's going to go through a higher use factor. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They are... Fairly expensive and ludicrously heavy. So unlike the Princess Auto one, where you can actually you know, haul it around, because I have one at the house as well, but you can literally lift that one, no problem. But that one that we put in there had to be 400 pounds.
2: Oh yeah, they're they're not they're not light, and you get it's definitely something oh. to plan for. I
1: made the mistake of trying to install it myself. That was a bit of a, a chore.
2: They're like they're <laughs> so like ra- they're like radiators for a boiler for a boiler system. Like they're they're just they're solidly built. Um, yeah. And they're and they're heavy. Otherwise, they burn through. So.
1: There is that. Yeah, so nice. uh, I did have a, a use made up for that princess on wood stove that I was thinking of actually making up like an outdoor steam sauna. So you get like a, uh, basically a cedar barrel kind of, you can put a window on one side and you can put one of those stoves in there and kind of get a you know, fireproof hole in the, in the roof uh, and you know make it put a bunch of rocks around it make it a, a Finland style steam sauna. But there you go. long-term uh, project.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that would
1: be off-grid heating and or cleaning too.
0: And comfort. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's throwing a bottle of wine, you got baby making time there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, not again. Uh, <laughs> we're just getting out of that zone, man. Uh, Yeah, so let's see here. Uh, if you're going to be off-grid and you want to heat your house uh, going away from the wood stove, we've got to talk about electric heaters.
2: Nope.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thank ele- you. <laughs> ele- electric,
2: electric, heat, electric heat and off-grid do not mix. Uh, yeah. there, there's nothing efficient about electric heating, except that it is convenient and doesn't require duct work. Uh, or being off grid, or being yeah, but it, it's it's not an off it's not an off grid solution. Uh, I'll just I'll say it right now. Well, yeah, um, I
1: mean, so you think about like your your average hair dryer. It's like fifteen hundred watts for just a hair dryer, and electric heaters are usually that or higher. And you know, you think about what the average solar system can produce and store in a battery. It's just the the math doesn't add up, right?
2: So my my current shop is like sixteen by twenty four feet. Mm-hmm. I have an eighteen hundred watt portable heater in there. I cannot get. I, I can't raise the temperature more than five degrees Celsius in two hours. I wow. will call. I call, and it is crazy expensive to run. Um, I can't run the heater and tools at the same time. Um, I, I just, I'll, I'll call shenanigans and say electric heat is not a is not an off grid option. I don't think you could generate enough solar power to make it useful.
1: What's well, actually kind of funny because I had the island mentor over and I was talking to him about solar and stuff. And I, I, I mentioned to him about just basically taking a, a solar panel, running into like a 12 volt kind of little buddy heater or some sort of like heat coil or something. He just looks at me and just kind of smiles and shakes his head. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> uh, <It's not. laughs> I was like, well, come on, man. It would offset, you know, like maybe offset my heat build it. And he's like, no,
2: so now what what you what what does work is um, black pipe and heating water. Yeah. Um, So, if you run black black coils of black tubing along your roof under glass, um, that will actually heat your water, and it might not heat it all the way up, like you know where you would want it to be, but it'll actually it'll preheat your water enough that your water heater doesn't have to work as hard,
1: or you don't have to boil it as long,
2: or anything. Or you don't have to boil it as long, or you know it doesn't take as long to boil or whatever. But um, that is that isn't that is a use for solar for solar heat or a source of solar heat, but it's not uh, like let's just take electric heat right off the right off the table there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's actually I was told that's the one efficient means of solar energy usage is hot water heating, and like you mentioned, like whether it be for your pool or whatever, that's actually the way to go. So, yep. um, yeah. So, moving along, uh, kerosene heaters. You guys have any experience with those?
2: Um, I've I've seen them. I've never used one. I've only I've only used propane. Mm-hmm. Um, if you light them outside, get them going. Apparently, they don't smell bad, um, but. As you as you put in the notes, Ian, you still need a window open because anything that burns fuel creates carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little further down.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, passive solar, so not to be confused with the solar panels. Um, there's a few homes out there in southern Alberta and a few other places. They basically have like built a house into a, a hillside. And they have all the north-facing part of the house either underground or sealed off or whatever. And on the south side, they have a bunch of wide-open windows. They're what they call low-E glass, or it's basically a low-energy low, uh, loss glass. And uh, what they do is they allow you know, the solar radiation in and trap the heat greenhouse style and then try and uh, have something like this rock or a dense material into like a, as a thermal mass and uh, traps the heat and then slowly radiates the heat over the course of the day. So, that basically, um, without really needing any sort of improvement other than the sun, you can heat your house. Well, interesting. Great. Yeah, interesting. If, if you're in Nevada or southern Alberta or places that get like 300 plus days a year of sun, the rest of us, not so much.
2: Yeah. yeah, fair enough. It's an interesting uh, concept, nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, it's especially- funny. I'm getting all my windows replaced and. The sales the sales rep that came out to measure them um, was was touting the you know the, the this triple this triple pane low E glass so the low E the low energy glass um, basically the way insulation works is it traps air between two things and then the that air helps reduce the temperature differential between between the inside and the outside. All insulation is like that. So this is the stuff that he's the, these windows that he's telling me are triple pane with argon. So argon's a, an inert gas that goes in between the um, in between the panes, which reduces the thermal transmission because it's triple pane and it absorbs that it absorbs that heat. Uh, and he says, "Oh yeah, it's going to keep your house nice and um, nice and warm in the winter. You're not going to lose the you're not going to lose the uh, um, the heat." The flip side is. But if you're not losing heat through the glass in the summer, you're also not losing heat through the glass. Or not losing heat through the glass in the winter, you're also not losing it through the glass in the summer. So yeah. it will it will make your house warmer no matter what. Um, now, if you have air conditioning, it will help keep your house cooler and it won't have to work as hard. But ah, um,
1: uh, so what they did is actually uh, Cody Lundin, the uh, this off grid guy. He has a couple great books out there. But anyways, he had a a, a house with this idea going, and he actually designed his like uh, overhang on his roof precisely so that basically once the sun got above a certain level like during the summer it would actually block off the sun from hitting the glass and then therefore it didn't actually heat up his house uh but as the sun goes further further lower lower in the winter time then it actually like goes past that roof and shines into his windows that's next and, level nerd oh yeah he was he was pretty good about it but he actually he did a whole like uh, youtube documentary about it i was like Man, you were like, yeah, he's had a lot of time on his hands to to worry about yeah, this.
0: Yeah, that's um, yeah. That, that's a few hours of, yeah. of math. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, wow.
2: good for him. I, yeah. I wish I had that level of give a crap for any of this. that's, yeah. uh, that's great.
1: Well, yeah, and then, so he even had like the, the point where like mentioned the uh, the wind protection. So like his entire northern side of his house was just blocked off, so that when the wind blew. The, the wind basically blew right over his roof, but didn't even touch his house because uh, that was the one thing that did cool off his house. Because he's in northern Nevada, not to be confused with the Las Vegas style southern Nevada. Right. Yeah.
2: Northern Nevada, it gets cold.
1: It does. Just actually, northern Arizona actually has the world's best elk hunting because it gets so cold there. Figure that one. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so next one rocket stoves. Uh, this is a kind of a permaculture kind of hippy dippy kind of like experimental means of heating your house, but proven technology, um, very fuel efficient. It burns like about maybe a quarter of what a regular wood stove would burn. And the exhaust that comes out of your house is gray man approved because it has no visible smoke. It just has like hot water vapor coming out. Uh, however, basically no insurance company will ever cover your house if you have one in your house. So that's why nobody really adopts these things. Because basically what it boils down to is you can make your own rocket stove. If you've ever seen the YouTube videos about making a rocket stove. But basically what they do is they have the rocket stove exhaust kind of like snake its way through like a big massive rock, uh, either couch or some sort of rock mass in the house. And heats up that mass so that um, even though the fire burns out after a couple hours, that rock continues to radiate the heat. And um, yeah, it's extremely fuel efficient, but a huge fire hazard. If not done properly, I guess.
2: Sounds like a good time to me.
1: Yeah. So um, there's, there's tons of YouTube videos available about this, but if you uh, yeah take a look at the rocket stove, it is something to be, to be said for the house heating. If you're willing to go off grid and, and really take that on full time, that is something definitely worth uh, investigating. And there's a lot of people that have actually like um, mud parties where they actually like make a thermal mass of like, like fireproof kind of mud and clay uh, rocket stove exhaust ducting. And so after they put the rocket stove in, they they've got this this massive thing. They need to turn it into a couch or a table or whatever, where the exhaust heats up all that. And so they're sitting on a nice warm chair all night, and then um, yeah, it keeps the house warm overnight after you fall asleep. And the fire went out.
2: It's it's a pretty cool concept. Um, you know, I, I remember in when I was in you know Cubs and Scouts when we winter camp, we would take uh, um, we would put rocks in the in the. Uh, in the fire get them nice and warm mm. um, and then put them in our sleeping bags just before bedtime so that our, our sleeping bags were warm so mm. similar concept yep. uh, i guess but yeah it's uh, i can see why that would be uh, that would be uninsurable that's that, that's there's a lot that could go wrong there
1: well yeah it's not exactly like mainstream right so
2: no well and you know how do you how do how's how do you inspect it every year for <laughs> Cracks and exhaust and all that
1: stuff. Oh yeah, so it, it's definitely something. So this uh, next one is a little more mainstream. There's actually this is a trade, like a red seal trade. Uh, you can actually get something you put in your house for about this meager price of about forty thousand dollars. You can, <laughs> you can get a that's it, man. Uh, a masonry stove put in your house. So a masonry stove is actually like a highly convoluted version of a rocket stove. Uh, however, it's uh, a little more mainstream, and there's like a lot of science involved. Uh, there is actually a YouTube channel where the guy actually demonstrates it a couple times uh, called Survival Russia, and uh, it was actually very old technology. And what they would do is they'd have like this basic stove in the middle of a house. Every room would have a uh, a wall section facing the stove. And so basically as they, they started the fire on the bottom, it would heat every room that was attached to the stove, as well as there was like a couple hot plates where they could cook food on it and everything else. So they cooked food, they kept the house warm, and again, because the entire thing was like masonry brick and um with with proper ducting and proper cleanouts so you could actually clean the, uh, the the ash out and stuff, um, it would uh be highly fuel efficient, maybe like a handful of wood a day and good to minus fifty degrees Celsius outside. Huh. But right, the, I think I don't know if it's indor- if it's
2: endorsed by the crazy Russians. I'm not sure that it's not sure that I'm interested.
1: But there's two guys on in all of BC that are certified to do masonry stoves, and I think it's a big thing in in Europe and Germany, especially in Russia and stuff. But uh, over here, yeah, you pay through the nose for it. But it is a a solid piece of proven technology. But oh my god, it's expensive. <laughs>
0: So can we get them to sell out on Amazon so we can use an affiliate link for it?
1: That would be nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
2: That's uh, that's kind of crazy. Um, I mean, again, good for them, but I don't think you would ever find I don't think you'd ever be able to offset the cost. I mean, how many wood stoves can you buy for that, yeah. you know, for that price and design your you know, if you put the wood stove in the middle of the house. You know, oh, yeah. I think uh, I think I think that's it's it's a great concept. Um, I, I don't know. I have uh, I have well, a lot more questions than answers on that.
1: Well, the problem is too is I think as long as you know natural gas remains cheap and or available, yeah. nobody's even looking at it, right? I True. mean. These series stoves nope. predate the the wide uh, availability of natural gas piping to your house. I mean, up until like the you know, the late sixties in Russia, nobody had natural gas lines running to their house, right? So they had these stoves set up and the house didn't move for hundreds of years either. So yeah, okay, that makes sense. But um yeah, once uh, Gazprom got going over there and you know we had our natural gas in Alberta, yeah, probably nobody makes them anymore, right?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. We're used to convenience.
1: We are. It's a whole uh, lot easier to just
2: turn up the dial on the wall. It yeah, is.
1: No, it is. Uh, Two edge geothermal. I
2: put I put a quick note about geothermal in there. Um, I couldn't find a source that told me what the draw on the pump was, but essentially what geothermal does, it works kind of like your lungs, where it draws cooler air from your draws air from your from your house down into the ground where the where the you know under about four feet down or under four feet Um, the ground temperature stays about the same all year round so it's a little bit cooler in the summer a little bit warmer in the winter Um, exchanges that air so it it heats it allows that air to heat up or cool down and then pumps it back up into your house Um, there is a pump that does require power um, so you would you have to have a a a power supply sufficient for it but it doesn't require ducting it is Quite efficient. Um, it's not used a lot in the residential world. It's used a lot more in commercial and industrial. Um, but especially if you've got in-floor heating, um, combine that with the coils on your roof. That it can be a a, a, a a benefit, or to at least offset the amount of the, the the amount of use your other heating sources get.
1: Well, uh, there's a couple. Actually, yeah, it depends on where you are too. Like over in Iceland, it it gets so hot down there that they actually can like get steam back when they pump water down, so they actually create power from geothermal. But um, up in the high Arctic where I used to live, uh, it was 15 feet down. You had to get to go below the permafrost because four feet down, it was always frozen year round. Um, But once you got down to that level that you're talking about, it's basically the mean temperature of whatever local territory you're in is what Mm -hmm. they're looking for. So if your average temperature over the course of the entire year is like four degrees or eight degrees Celsius, it's going to provide some preheating for your actual hot air, or it's going to provide some pre-cooling for your air conditioned air and just offsets the power requirements for either or, right?
2: So it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing to consider if you're building, it's, it, that's a good time to consider it. Um, but it does, it does require power and it won't be the be all end all. It will be, uh, um, it'll be a boost to your other system. So it might, it might mean that if you've got a wood stove, then you're only burning a quarter a year instead of three quarts. Yeah. Um, so that might be worth it for you.
1: And the power it requires is a hell of a lot less than trying to like run an electric heater. <laughs> Yes, absolutely.
2: No matter what. It, it, everything is better than an electric heater. Yeah. When we're talking about off grid power, we're talking about, you know alternate means of heat.
0: Yeah. Take uh, anything away from this episode. Like the
2: <laughs> now the one the one major advantage that electric heat has over all of the other things that we discussed is that it doesn't produce carbon monoxide
1: or noise generally or, or noise
2: yeah it, well it depends on the f- if there's a fan then it then it might it might create a f- it, there might be some noise but um yeah carbon oxide carbon monoxide is produced by all fuel burning appliances so whether you're burning wood whether you're burning kerosene or propane or gasoline or anything any carbon based um, any carbon-based material that gets burned releases carbon monoxide CO. You may have heard refer- this referred to as the silent killer. It is odorless, colorless, tasteless, much like Eric, and completely deadly.
0: Wow! Hey. Wow! <laughs>
2: that's for that's for the eighty-three dad jokes, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> um, so carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide. Um, it, it's not. It's all joking aside. It is. Uh, it's a big problem. Um, here in Southern Ontario, a few years ago, there was a, um, uh, there was no PP officer. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She was out of the Woodstock detachment. Um, she and her family were found dead. I want to say it was Christmas morning or boxing day. Ooh. Um, and it was, it was a result of, uh, of a fireplace chimney that hadn't been cleaned. It blocked up the carbon monoxide built up in the house and they didn't have a detector. And it killed them pretty quickly. Um, so carbon monoxide, the one of the, the, the way that carbon monoxide hurts, it bonds to the hemoglobin in your blood the same way that oxygen does, except that it happens to um, it happens to bur- it happens to, to bond signif- like much more efficiently. I think it's something like two hundred and eighty times more efficiently than oxygen does. So so a little bit of carbon monoxide will go a long way. And once that is bound to the hemoglobin in your blood, oxygen can't bind and essentially asphyxiates you from the inside out. Um, Number one, have CO detectors everywhere in your house. If you have fuel burning appliances uh, in Ontario anyways, it's law. You have to have that. Aside from it being law, it's a really good idea for this exact reason. Um... Causes of carbon monoxide anywhere can be leaks for um, uh, leaks within your within your system. So if you have if you have a, a wood stove and there's that seal around the door and that door doesn't have a uh, uh, that there's a, there's a gap in that seal somewhere that can release carbon mon- carbon monoxide uh, every time you open the door you're inject- you're introducing a little bit more carbon monoxide into the house. Um, if you have if you're just running your conventional furnace and there's something backed up, um, it can release carbon monoxide. So it is, it's a really good idea to have detectors everywhere in your house. Um, one on each floor is the bare minimum. Um, Ian and I we were talking off air about whether um, you put them up high or down low or where you put them. Um, carbon monoxide is ever so slightly lighter than air, but it mixes really well with air. So if you have fans going anywhere or if you're moving around your house, um, you'll find that it's that it's... Going to be pretty well everywhere you're not going to find it down low or up high Um, if you are coming home and you haven't been and there haven't been fans on for a number of hours you might find it higher up closer to head level than foot level so um, it's a big deal Uh, signs and symptoms we'll cover that real quick just in case you happen to be in a hunt camp and you don't have a carbon monoxide detector by the way they're about six bucks from any uh, hardware store well worth the investment Keep a couple of batteries on hand. Test them once a month. Um, bright red skin, trouble, uh, trouble, trouble catching your breath, uh, dizzy and disoriented are the the early signs. Followed um, quickly by um, altered mental status, loss of consciousness, uh, and once you know you're going to sleep, you're not coming. You're not getting. You're not getting back up. Um, so that's uh, that's my little rant on carbon monoxide. Everything that we've talked about, with the exception of the non-existent electrical heat, uh, produces carbon monoxide, and you are—it is—it is an exceptionally responsible thing for you to do—to have CO detectors around.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just like uh, smoke detectors, whatever you can just get on that schedule, spring and fall time zone change, or uh, when you set your clocks back, you can just change the batteries, and uh, yep. yeah, that's good.
2: Uh, t- t- Test it once a month. Um, if you if you happen to be in Ontario and you happen to be working in the construction industry, um, the Ministry of Labor gets really really cranky about that. Um, kind of January and February every year they go in a blitz, and every plate every construction site that's burning um, propane for heat, which is every construction site, um, if you don't have an adequate number of CO detectors, they get uh, they start writing tickets.
0: Like I said, they're they're relatively cheap, so yep. you get a couple if you don't have them and.
2: Literally twelve bucks, yeah. and and if you if you ask your local fire department really nicely, they'll probably give you one. Yep. Uh, I would avoid the um, I would avoid the combination like CO and smoke detectors. Um, they just have a high rate of failure. know. Get, get get them in. Get them as independent units.
0: Cool. There you go. There's a little safety talk. There you go. Very important. That's my rant. All right. We have any other items to cover off on the list?
1: I think it's we've, much, we've yeah. given lots of options. Yeah. But um, if anybody has any, any questions on off grid heating, just let us know. And maybe there's something we want to talk about that we forgot or whatever. Just just drop us a note. We'll yeah. uh, we'll cover it. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: we'll, we'll work it into the next uh, future yeah. episode for sure.
2: Just a, just as a planning note, when you are planning to heat your uh, heat your house heat, you 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 make the most. Um, you make the most use of your heat by heating the smallest area possible. So if you can um, tarp off an area, if you need to, to, uh, to, to make a smaller, um, smaller area to be heated, that, that will improve your efficiency and reduce the amount of fuel that you need. But it also increases the carbon monoxide concentration.
0: Anyways, all dependent on your, your situation, what you're trying to set up, whether you're, you're trying to set up just an emergency little heating area. If, uh, you're looking for something in a power outage type of situation in the winter for your normal home, or if you're looking to build a little off-grid cabin or something, it's it's all a matter of kind of mm-hmm. planning, planning out your situation accordingly. And I think uh, we've got a nice long list of, of options here, which uh, up to, but not including electric. Not including electric. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think we
2: hit that point home. <laughs> I think that brings us to our podcast challenge. <laughs> I think it does. And so the, po- the challenge for this week is, uh, try to find one way to heat a room independently without electricity.
0: So it's no electric heater. heater,
2: no electric heaters. Every, every other option is available. No electric heaters. Um, my house, we have a boiler that just it, like the, the rads go and it's nice and warm upstairs and the floors are always cold, but, uh, man, those rads are efficient. Um, it'll keep the house warm. Like the furnace cannot run for a full 24 hours. My house is still nice and warm. So, sure. um, there's that's one more. Now you need, you need a heat source for that as well. But as long as there's gas, I've got, I've got heat. Um So yeah, try and try and find one way to heat a room independently. Heat each room independently, I guess is probably a good plan. So whatever you need, whatever you need in your plans, add that to your plans, take pictures, drop us a note, let us know how you did that. Feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Cool. All right. Moving to
0: upcoming events.
1: Alright, uh, just coming to the end of the season it was a very short season this year but uh, try and attend a Maple Seed event if you can I've been trying to plug that as, uh, as best I can uh, the website is mapleseedrifleman.com, there's a video I threw in the show notes uh, that just explains what to bring and what it's all about um, yeah, definitely worth your time uh, for food gathering purposes and or reasons uh, yeah, it's great marksmanship training for sure right. Cool. move
0: yeah, well, moving the shoutouts so I've uh, got one for uh, Nancy and everybody over at Patch Panel. They are working on our new patch, and apparently we are on uh, some morning commute playlists now. So, Yay. sweet. Yeah. So can't wait to see uh, what they come up with for us. Pretty excited to uh, see what creativity they can work and what uh, what kind of patch we're going to get from them. So,
2: that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm in uh, my Cub Scout session. <laughs>
1: We have to earn it first, right? Oh, no, no, yeah. no. We did already. Um, <laughs> that burn earlier, you don't get one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I accept.
1: <laughs> uh, I got a shout out to uh, Tracy uh, Wilson and Rod Giltaka, of course, Colin as well. But uh, for the CCFR, I mean, thanks again for doing the great integrity march. Uh, took a lot of uh, effort and a lot of agency to get that happening and uh, they did it. So it's fantastic. Uh, also a quick shout out to Vortex Optics, because uh, once again, lifetime, unconditional, transferable warranty, gotta love it. Um, yeah, so customer for life. Anyways, good for them.
0: have had a lot of luck with them.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm going to take one quick second, if I can, to um, go back to Tracy and Rod there. Uh, if you are a prepper, if you are somebody who owns guns and you are not a member of the CCFR, um, you are doing yourself and the rest of the country a disservice. It does not cost a whole lot of money, and it is worth it to uh, preserve these these rights that we hold so dear.
1: Well, and to that point, actually, you know, 5,000 people is fantastic, but there are 2.2 2 million licensed gun owners, not to mention about three real gun owners, the guys, you know, the farmers that have the twenty-two in the back closet that don't tell anybody about it. I mean, really, 5,000 out of 2.2 2 million? Yeah. Could have, better, it could have been better,
2: it could have been better. It happened to be on a weekend where um, A, there was short notice, B, there were a lot of other things going on. C, it's in Ottawa when a lot of people are spread out really far across the
1: country. Yeah. But and by the same time though, too, is like they don't have two point two million members in the CCFR either. Like, I mean, that's true. Uh, I'd like to see like a million members. That'd be great. Yep.
2: So. I think that's I think that would be an, an excellent number. Yeah. So the guys at CCFR, right? Tracy and Rod and Colin and all of the field officers, they're, they're the people who are actually putting boots on the ground and lobbying our government to um, make logical decisions about things that don't really hurt people, um, but put yummy meat on our tables. So join them, support them, help them out.
0: That's, that's, that's my second rant for the night. I think I'm cut off. All right, <laughs> All right we'll move into some email and iTunes reviews then. So we've got uh, one email came in from Greg, and it just says, "Guys, a uh, couple ideas for shows. I've uh, Tried to listen to the entire catalog, but it's possible. Oh, if it's to hear that. So, uh, but disregard if we've uh, if done a couple of those already. Um, so he's listed off four possible uh, episodes for us. So we've got those now in our list of things. So uh, we're going to start working away at that. So appreciate you sending in that. And he uh, finishes it off with saying, oh, "Great job. I really enjoy the show. Uh, thanks, Greg." So. Appreciate you sending in some topic ideas, and uh, a few others have sent in some ideas over the last couple of weeks since we've been asking. So, um, yeah, we're going to be here another year at least. Appreciate
1: the uh, the topics. Well, we paid the bill for the uh, the website and the the posting, so people have a choice, right?
0: It would have been really boring to just see me every week, just sitting here going, "Yeah, I got nothing to talk about." Uh, sure, sure. Fair enough. We just rotate every week when someone else would come on and just say the same thing. So we've got stuff to talk about now. We got stuff to talk about. Yeah. But if you have,
2: by the way, if if you do want to help support the podcast, uh, there is a link in the Amazon um, uh, to Amazon through prepperpodcast.ca slash support. Um, Every time
0: you buy stuff from Amazon, that helps us out. And that's more likely to keep us on the air. Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything extra to to purchase through the links, but uh, they give us a small little commission. So there we go. There we go. So. Uh, with that, I'll bring episode number 84 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please take a second, help us out, and submit a review. It does help other people find us. And we're up to 111. So more than 111 many, people? Uh, 111 either star reviews or written reviews. Oh,
2: fantastic. Yeah, but one of those... I, was me, so, I mean, I think
0: one of those was me, too. Pretty <laughs> sure my daughter
2: left one, too. We had to get uh, Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel Canadian Prepper Podcast and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when you're going when we're going live. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Instagram at PPSwo or Alan with 1l at prepperpodcast.ca.
1: All right, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at the Retreat at gmail.com. You can also find my Canadian Patriot podcast on iTunes and YouTube. We record on uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on Mondays. There you can find us discussing why government waste and society in general makes me want to rapidly go off grid. Every week. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, So please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're, of course, buying Prepper Gear. Uh, You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe.
1: And keep learning.